This season of Arts and Farts is brought to you by ArtpreneurGuide.com, turning struggle into opportunity. You can go on to ArtpreneurGuide.com to get all the tools you need to take your creative business to the next level. Before we get into this episode, I just want to let you know that this episode is a little longer than our usual 10 to 15 minutes. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hey guys, it's your girl Mel, and this is episode 9 of Arts and Farts. With this episode, I kind of want to take a different approach because I've really been looking forward to this episode for quite a while. It was really inspired by a Facebook post that I saw. So many of you know that I'm an artist and I've been a professional artist for a while. So I'm connected to lots of artsy fartsy folks on Facebook. And one day I was mortified to find a post where an artist, a a notable one on the New York scene, especially in the black art scene, had posted a picture of a new piece of work that he was doing. And um, people were really excited about it. And somebody tagged another artist who I know I've met several times. And she responded by saying, this person also, the artist whose original work posted, is also a pretty well-known curator, and he's connected to some galleries and things. And so he can provide opportunities for other artists. The tagged person went all the way in saying that, you know, Um, She knows him and she's familiar with his work, but she stays clear because he treats her like the shit stain on on the drawers of the art world or whatever because she ain't shit and blah, blah. And so it went on in an embarrassing fashion as the artist who had originally posted the work basically said, I don't know you and... You know, it just led to an embarrassing conversation where she's trying to, one, jog his memory over who she is. And he's further embarrassing her by letting her know that, you know, he has no idea, nor does he have any desire to know who she is. But what was really troubling is that she had held on to a rejection that maybe a gallery that he was connected to did of her work years before maybe she had applied for a few shows and not gotten in and he was the curator and she took it personally and she allowed that rejection um to one cause conflict and two to fester like a sore in her so in this episode we are going to talk about how to deal with professional rejection and to keep it professional From man-made, this is Arts and Farts. Rejection is a hell of a thing. Like, as an artist, I feel like you almost have to have 
and not even a thick skin, but a skin made of titanium. Because if you're going to be applying to shows, to galleries, trying to get an agent, or, you know, there's a million different routes that you can take, you have to be so prepared, mentally prepared, physically and emotionally prepared for rejection. I mean, Everywhere I lived, I've gotten a slew of rejection letters and emails, shows that you're super excited about. And I know it sounds like, well, girl, maybe you should give it up. But art is something that is so subjective and such a part of your DNA that whatever type of art you create, there's always going to be someone out there who gets it, but a whole slew of people who don't. And I think that having that realization um, helped me or has helped me a lot as I navigate rejection, but it's not always easy. Though I'm speaking particularly from an arts perspective, in this episode, we will delve into how rejection happens across fields. And I'm just using art or my experience in art as an example. Sometimes it's necessary to talk through or work through the uneasiness. And my first guest for this episode will help us do just that. Hi, my name is Dr. Tracy Rogers and I'm a psychotherapist and social worker, as well as the managing director of Wholeness and Wellness Counseling Services here in Trinidad and Tobago. A few years ago, I was working in an art space in New York, and it really provided me the opportunity to meet and network with a lot of artists and curators and art professionals. And one curator invited me to be a part of a show. And I had submitted all the work and she was like oh yeah this is great I love it you could be in the show and then I think it was like a week before the show when I was getting ready to frame up the work and send her everything I got a phone call and she was like um you know what your work is just not appropriate for the show anymore um your rendering is just so grotesque and I could never put that kind of representation of black men out there or whatever. And I I mean, I'd cop to the fact that the piece was very exaggerated and was done on purpose to make a point. But I think what hurt was that in her rejection of the work, it wasn't just that, okay, this work no longer fits with what I'm trying to do or say. It's She felt like in order to justify it, there had to be something wrong with the work and the rendering of the work instead of the fact that it just didn't fit with what she wanted to do. And that stung. Not a little bit, but a lot of it. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't quite know what to make of that situation or how to deal with that person afterwards. I can't lie. Like, I definitely (laughs) still side-eye her a bit whenever I see her or if 
you know, her e- an email comes in from her. I'm just like, oh, this girl. But um, I don't think that I've made it an issue with us personally. I just know that I'm not really interested in working with her. But I'm really interested in knowing if that was a healthy way of dealing with it. Like, Tracy, what are some unhealthy ways of addressing rejection? And does this fall into it? One of the things that happens when we experience rejection often happens is that we personalize this rejection. So it's important for us to differentiate who I am from what I produce. So the quality of what I produce might be up for consideration. It might be up for auction. It might be up to be accepted or not accepted. But who I am as a person is never on the auction block. So Wow, let's just put a pin right there because I have to say mine are blown. <laughs> that was so deep. Um, it definitely never occurred to me that my work is not an extension of me. So perhaps that's why I've been avoiding this chick. But it also makes me think about the mindset of the girl from the Facebook post. And maybe that's what made it so cringeworthy. It felt like she was extending herself and who she was and allowing this person so much power in telling her that she was nobody and that her art was nothing. Um, Wow. When people don't separate who they are from what they produce, they can oftentimes find themselves addressing rejection in unhealthy ways because when the rejection comes, it is not looked as or seen as a rejection of what I produce, but is seen as a rejection of who I am. And I see that happen professionally a lot and also in personal relationships as well. Um, So oftentimes that personalization could um, be really unhealthy. The second thing that I see happening a lot um as i said earlier rejection has a way of triggering old emotion and one of the oldest emotions it can trigger is shame um and shame is linked to doubt is linked to not good enoughness and oftentimes i see when people um experience rejection they get into this very unhealthy way of dealing with shame so it could be shame for shame so I've received this professional rejection. I feel really badly. I feel not good enough. So in return, what I do is let the person who has given me this feedback know that they're not good enough for me anyway. So now I'm fighting that shame by trying to shame the person or the agency (laughs) that has triggered shame for me. Yeah, really, really unhealthy. Yes, Dr. Tracy. Shame vengeance, anger, really can creep up on you when you are going through an unexpected rejection. And my next guest, Cindy Ann Currency, a communications professional and um, NGO sector um, veteran in Trinidad, really illustrates that in her story. ...of applying for a job at a ministry 
I was called to come in to receive an offer. I got the offer in writing and the offer stated that I needed to reply in writing to them that I was accepting. Uh, so I resigned from my job and I sent in the written acceptance of the offer. And a week or so before I was supposed to leave my old job, the HR assistant called to say to me that I had ranked second in the interview and the person who ranked first, initially she did not want the job, but she had a change of heart and they had decided that they will go with her instead. It didn't make sense, so I went down to the ministry and I asked to speak to the director of HR and I explained to her, you know, how is that possible because I replied in writing and, you know, if they usually call people and tell them they didn't rank first in an interview because it just seemed so very strange. Um, after a couple of days and many hours of waiting and back and forth and emails, the HR director, she first tried to find me another position at the ministry in another field. And then she sort of explained to me that the director of communication apparently knew the girl who ranked first in the interview. And so that when the girl, re when the girl refused the job initially, that she suspects that he went to have a talk with her and that's how she changed her mind. So, you know, she tried to explain it to me and you know, sometimes these things are unfair, but it, you know, that they happen. I had not signed a contract. So, you know, there's no nothing that they could do if they have to take the offer back. She also said to me that sometimes like Animal Farm, the public service is like that that some people are more equal than others. I remember feeling very embarrassed because I had already resigned from my job, told people that I got this new position. It was in my field. I had just come out of university, so it was a big deal. I remember feeling very angry. Um, it, seemed, it seemed very, very unfair. I even went ahead and tried to see if I could sue them. You know, I was like, I want it all in writing and, you know, I was being very, that kind of person, like I was gonna sue them. Uh, I didn't follow through with, with the suing, but um, I will never remember. I will never forget that experience. I will always remember those people. I will always remember when that lady told me that some people are more equal than others. In some ways, my story and Cindy's story mirror each other. Only hers is on like a times 10 scale of my little rejection um, dealing with someone that I considered a friend. But what felt similar to me, and maybe to you, I don't know, is that feeling that, how could this be happening? You know what I mean? I thought everything was great. And maybe that is what Dr. Tracy means when she says shame and, and Cindy references embarrassment. I think embarrassment um, and not good enoughness, as, as Dr. Tracy says several times, um, really can do a number on you. One, the last one I want to add in terms of unhealthy ways of dealing with rejection, I've seen rejection deflate people's purpose. Like it's really important to remember that you have a purpose. You have a purpose for you in your professional life. You've chosen this path because you feel that you have something to contribute. Whatever it is that's driving you, that's your key motivator to engage in the work that you produce, 
that should always be sacred. And a lot of times when people receive rejection, it deflects that. Cindy, do you think your life would have been any different if you had gone ahead with your plans to sue or even if you had gotten the job right off the bat? Girl, I think about that all the time and I think everything happens for a reason because after that I did not go back to my old job. I got a new job as another admin assistant in another company for six months. I had explained to my boss who was interviewing me at the time about the experience and she noticed that I was very hurt and I was very despondent and very disenchanted because coming out of university you just kind of expect things to fall into place and she made me promise to not look for another job for six months and I did that and then when I started to get very restless she started to help me look for jobs and uh, we became very close friends we're still friends today and that's when I got my job at the YMCA right after and started. That's where everything began. So, yeah, it would have been much different. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd have loved to sue and get some money. But I would even think that that would have worked out the way I expected it to work out. So, yeah, I mean, it was a tough lesson, but it was worth it in the end. Dr. Tracy, we've talked about unhealthy ways we can respond to rejection what are some healthy ways of dealing with rejection so rejection is very painful and has the potential of being extremely debilitating and we all can experience it so one of the best things that you can do um, is to have coping strategies or mechanisms already in place to deal with rejection if it arises for you so in terms of that, I guess, based on my practice experience and my training and also my experience of, of, of a rejection, um, one of the key things is to realize that rejection is foremost an experience. So something might happen and what might, it might trigger in me may be totally different from what that exact situation triggers in you. And that's because rejection taps into old emotion. Um, and when I say old emotion, emotion that is tied to experiences in our formative years. So that rejection is really closely linked to abandonment. And many of us, if you think about the first memory you have, I see this so often, your first memory is one of abandonment because it leaves such a, a clear and definitive mark on you. So that's the first thing to recognize, that these feelings that are happening, um, although you're experiencing it, in, experiencing it in this situation, whether it be professionally or in a relationship, what it's tapping into is much older than that. So to begin to deal with it, you can't really deal with rejection in the experience that you're having immediately. You need to realize what exactly this is tapping into to separate that from the situation that you're currently involved in and then move forward. So let me give you an example. Let's say as a professional, um, for me, I write a proposal to do a wellness program and I get a letter back stating that this program is not necessary and if, they, if, if this agency were to carry out this program, that I would not be um, their choice. <laughs> so... The information there is that this agency does not want my service. 
what it may tap into for me may be that I am not good enough for this agency. Now, that's my stuff. The agency didn't say anything of the sort, but those are some of the tapes that I have pulled up. So that first strategy is to really differentiate the two. So for me, I'm, I will go, Ooh, what's happening here? <laughs> what am I experiencing? Okay, what is this not good enough thing about? What is that for me? So I want to deal with that and separate that from the letter that's in front of me. Perhaps the letter in front of me requires a simple thank you for your consideration. Or maybe I would say, I would, I'm really surprised um, that I would not be considered for this. But if you wish to peruse or get a recommendation or testimonial from other people that I've worked with, maybe I might go that route. But the first thing is to really separate the two. The second thing I would say is to engage in gratitude. Rejection is thought by many to be an evolutionary tool. It's something that developed early and it's a way for us to recognize that we are at risk. So it's almost when you experience it, it's almost an internal alarm system that's saying, bop, 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 pay attention, something is going on here. Um, so I would say get still and be grateful because we have an alarm system and it's telling you that there's something that you need to pay attention to. So perhaps in my example earlier, maybe um, when I receive it, I have not prepared myself adequately to engage this agency in a service. Maybe that's it. So it's my system that says, I don't think that I'm sufficiently prepared. So again, this is my stuff. So really be grateful for it. And I think the third thing um, would be to will be to find someone who can really hear you. Because oftentimes when we experience rejection, we really need to speak it out. And speaking about it in the setting that we're receiving it, whether it be professional or probably in a friendship, may not be the first place to speak about it. So I would say you want to find a trusted friend, that person who has earned the right to hear your story. Um, you want to find that that tribe member who you can really say, oh my gosh, this is what I'm experiencing. And allow yourself to just kind of vomit out all this stuff so that you can sort out where you need to go next. Really, really importantly. So I guess if I could sum it up, um, to remember that rejection is a situation, but what it's triggering is an emotion and you want to get real on the emotion. The emotion that you initially um, feel might just be your secondary emotion. Maybe it's anger, but beneath that you have a primary emotion. So maybe it's fear, maybe it's abandonment. Um, so that you want to get real about what's going on with you so that you can then set a course with how to deal with the situation. Okay, so Dr. Tracy gave us some great tips on how to cope with rejection. She says, one, differentiate between what is being said and what you are actually hearing. Two, be grateful. Take time to be still and remember how much opportunity you've had and what you have to be grateful for. And three, 
Discuss it with a member of your amen corner. Get it out. Talk about it. And talk it out with someone who is going to be honest and truthful with you. Maybe you weren't as prepared for this opportunity as you thought. This week's quote is by Dr. Steve Maraboli. Every time I thought I was being rejected from something good, I was actually being redirected to something better. I don't know about you, but I learned so much about myself and how I handle rejection during this episode. I hope this episode really helps you and me (laughs) as we go forward dealing with what rejection is and how it affects us in our professional and personal lives. Have a great week. This episode of Arts and Farts is brought to you by ArtpreneurGuide.com, turning struggle into opportunity. This episode was edited and produced by Melissa A. Matthews with music from Benson.com. And special thanks to Dr. Tracy Rogers and Miss Cindy Ann Currency for their help as we unpacked rejection. We couldn't have done this episode without you. On the next Arts and Fart, we delve deep into the idea of entitlement in the workplace in our episode, Bitch Stole My Job. Arts and Farts is a man-made production. Thanks for listening.